I'm Keith Johnston, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Vice Presidents and Senior Research Directors Macarini and Fred Giron to discuss a few of our 2024 predictions for technology leaders. Welcome both. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thank you, Keith. Good to be here. All right, guys, it's always an exciting year, particularly for tech leaders, um, as uh, just like last year, tech leaders, they are the ones that aren't going to be starving for budget. And there's a lot of opportunity for technology in this case in 2024. Uh, lots of predictions around uh, talent, which is pretty tricky right now. Again, the technology's leader involvement in growth and, of course, AI, but just to kick it off, um, the big overall theme was just even with those growth initiatives that winning with AI is about giving your operations an epic boost. So let's start out with the growth part of it before we delve into AI. And let's talk about your first prediction, which you're saying that uh, in the case of technology leaders, their role in driving growth, which we've discussed many years, only 10% of them are going to get it right in 2024. So why so few? And let's really get into what's it mean to getting growth right? There's a few things here when we talk about growth. You know, the first thing is you've got to recognize growth for what's important to your business. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of times when we do research, we, we automatically think about the private sector and growth can be customer growth. It can be profit growth. But uh, even for the public sector, you know, growth is an aspiration that we all have. You know, we all aspire to grow the ability to deliver more services for citizens, customers at a better price point, right? And then ultimately also want to deliver a better service. So when we talk about growth, it's in the eye of the beholder. And what we really are looking for is the CIO has a greater opportunity than ever before to play this role of growth. And the reason being, it's technology. And so your ability to deliver great technology is much more linked to that great growth. Um, one of the big data points that we have is that companies that can highly aligned, their marketing, their CX, and their digital, they report up to 2.4 times higher revenue growth. So this ability to get the tech aligned with the business strategy is a key recipe for your future success. And I think just to add on that, uh, you know, in terms of your, your question, Keith, you know, how do you get growth right? Um, I think at, at the core, when we think about getting growth right, it's, it's about orchestrating uh, different technology initiatives um that will directly contribute to what matt was talking about in terms of either you know sustained business expansion or being able you know from a public sector perspective offering more services at, at a you know more competitive price point uh, and and delivering better experiences and we have identified these these three vectors that we talked about in a in a previous uh, podcast episode in terms of the, the, the vectors of growth, right? How do you enable growth? How do you create growth? And how do you amplify growth? Um, so, you know, happy to, to go into more details on that, but that's that's really how we think about getting growth right from a, from a CIO perspective. I'd like to dig in that just a little bit more. Is Matt, what you said about, you know, growth is in the eye of the beholder. And so I don't want our audience to think that, you know, growth is all about revenue. 
um, because, you know, or a little bit more consumer facing because growth means different things for different people. And we've talked about growth as being those revenue drivers and growing companies and, and getting scale, but it's also about IT just having an impact, allowing the company to perform faster or better. I mean, that that's inside of growth too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is all about, you know, that, that definition. And so uh, when you go look at like a lot of the data that we're seeing on the AI side of things, a lot of what we're looking at is people's objectives for how they're using AI to grow the firm. Sometimes it's the increased productivity. We see that a lot. It's very common between both CIOs and CTOs to want to drive increased productivity. Um, the other things that you'll start to see, uh, efficiency and effectiveness, primary uh, outcomes that CIOs and CTOs are trying to drive across the organization. So, so these are all elements of growth. It's how you help your employees do more. It's how you increase the capacity of your company. And therefore, how does that increase in capacity help you drive greater impacts? So, I mean, you know, it, it helps to to take a look at maybe some of, some of the data that we we've recently collected. And um, about a month ago, we we got the um, data from our software survey. Um, it's a global survey. Uh, we interviewed more than four thousand uh, you know software decision makers. And one of the questions that we ask in the survey is, what are the biggest challenges your organization face when executing its software strategy? Uh, Top two, not really surprising. One is around budget. Uh, the second one is around security. But then as you go down the options, you see some really uh, important barriers that stand in the way of getting this growth uh, agenda right uh, for CIOs and their team. The first and most important is lack of alignment between IT and business. Then you have things like cost of replacing legacy systems. You have, uh, you know, inflexibility of existing application. You have the technical debt div diverting um, energy away from in innovation. So th there's not just one barrier to getting this growth agenda right. It's 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 a, a multiplicity of challenges, and that's what's making this very very complex for ninety percent of the organizations. So when we get this data back, we always have to find what success looks like. So given some of the inputs and some of the things that you know that those who are getting growth right um, should be doing or are doing, are there some examples? Um, who is that 10% that technology leaders can actually look to to maybe see themselves in it? I mean, in the uh, the research that we, we have done um, uh, over the past 12 months on, on this um, you know the role of the CIO in the in the growth agenda. Um, we've come across some some you know really interesting success stories. Uh, one of them is a, a large insurance uh, provider um, that is uh, undergoing a, a significant business transformation, technology enabled business business transformation. Um, and the CIO was telling me how they you know they had an anecdote as they were about to launch this um, this business to kick off this business transformation. One of the country CEO for the company uh, came up to the this uh, CIO in Singapore and said, "You know, technology is becoming the engine of the, of the company. You're not IT; you're a business consultant to me." Uh, so you see, uh, you know, example of these organizations where there's there's a very strong proximity and the very strong alignment in between 
business stakeholders and the technology leaders. And this strategic alignment um, where, you, you know, both from a, from a business strategy perspective and, and technology strategy perspective is, I believe, one of the first things that uh, organizations need to strive and, and do in order to get started on, you know, closing the gap to bridge this this gap uh, for the ninety percent of, of the companies that won't get it right in twenty twenty four. All right, so two of the predictions out of the five were all about talent. But before we get into the predictions, maybe we can just like take a look at where is the talent crunch, perhaps. Uh, what does it look like around the regions? Because we're getting we're getting new data now that you know attrition is at an all time low even though we see talent deficits or perhaps it's skill deficits. So, so much for the great resignation, you know, when it comes to the low attrition, where are we at in the talent situation? And uh, let's, let's run around the globe because I don't think it's the same everywhere. You know, from a U.S. perspective, um, you know, the market had definitely been one where, um, you know, talent hard to come by. Um, you know, we, we heard for, for months and months that a lot of these reductions were in the tech sector. But when we dove behind and looked at the details, we were finding it wasn't so much that the, the, the real tech roles were the ones going. It was the people that were supporting those folks, the marketing, the sales roles around tech. Things have started to change. You know, we're we're at a point. You know, we just missed on the job uh, job numbers, right? It was the first miss in a while. Um, it does feel, and some of our data and our tier research um, is starting to show some of that slowing. Um, one of the big things that we see regionally, um, you know, when you look at AI jobs, there's a couple of markets that are the dominant places for the AI jobs. Uh, Silicon Valley is a big one. DC, New York, the places you would expect. Um, when you get outside of those areas, you're going to run into challenges. Um, but what we still are working with a lot of folks on is how do you build a tech strategy that enables you to leverage some of these other markets where there's real opportunity? And, um, you know, some of the markets that people most turn to, you know, Nashville is one, but we're seeing a lot of data that shows Na Nashville, um, a lot of the advantages in terms of the talent and the pricing um, has started to erode. So it's important that tech execs start to think about that. And another factor of it is, what is your hybrid strategy or your future of work strategy? Because the tech uh, employee tends to have a much uh, more willing to be remote or work in that hybrid than any other workers um, that we typically see out there. So when you look at that, if you don't have that, that flexibility, you're really going to be challenged if you don't work in one of these markets that have good fundamentals for labor. So Fred, what's going on in Asia Pacific? Yeah, Asia Pacific is, um, is a little bit different. We are, um, you know, witnessing a little bit of um, uh, slowing um, dynamics, I guess, in terms of macroeconomic. Uh, point of view, especially in markets like uh, like Australia, um, but you know, otherwise, you know, the the growth rate is going to be uh, pretty solid, pretty still pretty robust in across Asia Pacific markets, and and without you know a healthy growth from a technology spending perspective, um, that's the backdrop for uh, a still very very tense uh, talent. Um, you know, uh, uh, talent markets in the, in the region. Uh, we were at our technology and innovation forum last week in Sydney, and you, know, you could hear uh, technology leaders, 
talk about some of the challenges that they have recruiting skill set around data, of course, artificial intelligence, cloud native, and, and others, right? And and this is making it very, very difficult for them to, to execute on some of their uh, transformation strategies. So, uh, you know, slightly softer economic environment, um, you know, the tech, uh, tech spending is, is quite resilient and um, that, that explains also a, a quite a, a tense situation on, on, the, on, the, on, the talent, uh, on the talent side in, across Asia-Pacific. So you really uh, articulated a lot of the inputs to the next prediction. So I'll just say the prediction and then, you know, maybe you guys can just give me some color behind it, which is enterprise AI initiatives will boost productivity and creative problem solving by 50%. What I love about this one is this, we're talking about AI or Gen AI, it may not be uh, the most interesting or sexiest of things, if you will, but in an economy where we're flat or maybe not a whole lot of growth, like you're talking about AI initiatives that are gonna get right into making employees more productive, opening up the aperture to margins, uh, get into that a bit. So one thing that, that we uh, looked at, you know, trying to understand the, the impact of generative AI on some of the operations of, um, you know, organization across public and, and private sector is to look at, you know, for instance, the software development, um, you know, uh, functions and, and processes. And we basically started looking at the largest employers of developers, right? And these are the, you know, large service uh, providers, um, you know, Accenture's and Deloitte's and TCS, Infosys and the likes, right? And trying to get a good idea in terms of how are they changing their service delivery um, uh, and, and operating model uh, because of Gen AI. And we, we found some really interesting um, you know, insights and, and data points that um, supported some of the, you know, trends that we've been talking about for a number of years around Turing bots uh, and the fact that, uh, you know, developers, software developers will be leveraging a lot more artificial intelligence, um, you know, uh, as these Turing bots in order to help them develop software, but also test software, design software, uh, and so on and so on. And the productivity improvements are are quite uh, significant. We're talking about fifteen to twenty percent uh, productivity improvements in um, in twenty twenty four. I mean, that's what these companies are expecting uh, for their software developers. Now, the key question and one question that I like to to ask our CIO clients is that you know if you are able to generate twenty percent uh, from your software developers and maybe other functions within your teams, what are you going to do with it? Right. I think that's that's a you know, really important question, right? Because, yes, this is productivity improvement, but you have two ways of defining productivity. Productivity is either keeping the same output with a lower input or augmenting your output with the same input, right? Uh, so you have, you have a choice, and I think you have an obligation as a technology leader to, um, you know, choose how you're going to leverage the the power of these uh, of these of these technologies what we wanted to highlight in this particular prediction is the fact that you know there is an opportunity to empower the developers that are arguably one of the most creative um, you know teams or community within within organization uh, with 
more time to address more complex problems, right? Because they have they can spend less time on on the more mundane task of the the software development lifecycle. For instance, I mean, if we just focus on software developers, uh, but you know, I, I think what we want, really wanted to highlight here is is the fact that the leaders have uh, an opportunity and probably an obligation to really think hard about how they go, they're going to utilize. Uh, these productivity improvements, and hopefully, this is going to be about making their teams, allowing their teams to be more creative. And overall, I mean, you guys are talking about uh, creativity a lot in our tech research, but you know, we're talking about AI is actually going to open up the opportunity for more technology-focused talent to be more creative, right? When they, they may have not had the opportunity before. Yeah, I think, Keith, you know, a couple of things. One thing I'd add specific to your question, then I want to come back to one of Fred's. Um, to your question, you know, uh, when you look at the ability to be creative, um, you know, the, the statistics, especially when you go into the innovation realm, you know, a lot of people will say, this was an old P&G metric, that they used to want to see that, you know, one in 10 of their innovation projects would hit, but it would have a 10x return. And if you did that math, they would break even. But they knew that they would hit on more than one in 10, and they knew they would get things that were more than 10x. So they were getting really positive returns, and they were one of the great innovators. Um, when you think about how people can create more at-bats within technology, right? It's the same thing the agencies are doing, you know, something I know you know very well. You know, the agencies with all these technologies are able to, you know, put together more uh, more uh, campaigns in faster time. Well, that's what Fred's talking about. Now, multiply that across your tech org, and now you start to see that ability. So we have seen some people trying to restrict AI. You know, our view on it is, hey, don't restrict it, promote it. Put some guardrails on it. We've got some research that we call BYOAI. It's all on the premise of BYOD when we all wanted to bring our own cell phones. What happened? We all resisted. But now we're at a point most companies allow it and people get more value out of it. Same thing's going to happen with AI. Think about how you can take advantage of it with the guardrails, but use it in such a way that not only your software developers, but the folks in infrastructure, your enterprise architects, how can each of these teams use it to be able to look at more options, to come up with new solutions that they previously didn't consider? That's what's going to drive that headline creativity. And then if you can harness that, you can use that to go back to what we talked about, the growth. Now, one thing that I wanted to come back to on Fred, we were just looking at some data this morning from one of our surveys, and it was a question on what do you see the um, as some of the primary outputs for AI? And CIOs and CTOs, looking at those two segments, you know, both of them had their top two choices around driving customer experiences and driving revenue growth. Fantastic. That's the growth we talked about. But one of the spots where we saw a market difference was reduce the workforce. Now, there are some really interesting ways to look at that, right? You know, but at one level, is it the CIO is just thinking about, hey, I'm going to build all these great solutions and everything, and we're going to go and drive that revenue growth with the base that we have? Or is it the CTO camp thinking, well, we can go do all this productivity, make people more valuable, but get rid of a bunch. You know, I don't know which wins in that. That's one of those that we're going to have to see. But, you know, thinking about what those ultimate value drivers of how you're going to implement these solutions and capture the value becomes really important as you look at your growth agenda. But I, I would also um, 
point back to uh, this idea that at least in Asia Pacific, you know, tech spending is still going to grow, right? So in spite of, of all these things that we're talking about, uh, and we're quite optimistic about, cautiously optimistic, but, you know, still optimistic about the fact that tech spending will grow next year, um, which means that, you know, um, CIOs will also continue to, to, um, uh, to recruit and to, uh, and to grow their, to grow their teams. Um, so as long as these, uh, there's a clarity, uh, you know, in the strategic alignment in between uh, the business strategic objective and the technology strategy, you know, looking back again to the growth, uh, the growth agenda, um, I think, you know, we'll see, uh, the ability also for these discerning CIOs to use these productivity to, to accelerate, uh, and amplify the growth, um, of their, of their initiatives. So just to summarize, uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for, for AI. Um, some tech leaders may be looking to trim their staffs. Others need to grow them. And our data says that they're going to, you know, we need more talent, not less, at least over the next three years. Talk about the next prediction that was aligned with talent. Yeah. So the, the, the big prediction here, Keith, that we, uh, that we want to highlight is the concept of shadow HR. Um, this is almost, you know, a little bit of turnabout for the CIO, and, and it might not be a good thing. So we've lamented for years the concept of shadow IT. It really came to a head during the cloud era, right, where people could use a credit card to, to get cap, uh, capabilities. Um, what we're starting to see is that in the marketplace right now, that when the tech exec is going to their HR partner. They need to identify skill, different skills. They're much more rapidly changing. And so some of the structures that are being used by chief people officers aren't always adaptive enough for building the right skills in your tech org. So we are starting to see that some of these companies are starting to get rid of the ways that they're currently working, really changing the way they bring in talent. But if you can't get that HR business partner, you know, that chief people officer to come along, we are starting to see some leaders that are going their own way. And that starts to create shadow HR. Now, in some cases, it can be done uh, with, with little impact, but we could see it drive a real schism between that HR team and the IT team. And once you get to that, it's never good for anyone. So, you know, the real advice here when we look at it is to really start to think about what's important how you identify this and then partner with that HR team and your other talent partners to really think about how you change job descriptions, how you think more about skills assessments, how you build upskilling paths once you bring them in. Um, there's all different things here that really have to come in that may be different than are, that's being currently used, but they're things that if done right are going to change the way that you bring talent in and hopefully you can avoid any of these uh, challenges that a thing like shadow HR can bring. So Matt, to your point about talent, um, you know, we have, we have this, the, this, I don't know, this, this friction in the sense that, you know, we, we're going to need more, uh, more talent, uh, more different kind of talent. Now AI is going to accelerate a need for a skill set. Now a yet a new skill set that we don't have our tendency to solve this is to go with outside partners. Now, you guys talk about how the tech execs will just do that. They'll try to fill the AI skills gap. 
but they may be putting their internal talent at risk. They may be depleting their skills because, it, you know, if you don't find the balance, you know, you could end up relying too much on partners. Tell us about that prediction. Yeah, Keith, you know, this This is one of the ones that we're saying right now that the speed at with which people are trying to adopt uh, generative AI and other AI. Um, our poll survey back in the summer showed that over uh, over 50%, I think the number is 54% of companies are either expanding or experimenting with AI. So it's out there, everybody's doing it. The challenge is um, if you don't have those skills internally, people are turning to the service providers. Another data point that we have that shows that 75% of companies are investing more than 1% of their budget on AI and ML service providers. Um, that number goes over 5% for like 39% of the company. So loads of investment going into those partners. And it's great to get the solution up and running. But if you don't create the structures to take the learnings from that and build your own teams, you're going to be stuck in this loop where you're going to get more and more dependent on the service provider. One of the big things we like to talk about is the idea of co-creating. How do you work with these partners to innovate? And if you're not building that dynamic, you're never going to get the value out of that innovation. So, you know, it's okay if you need to go to that partner now, but use it as an opportunity to learn from them, build those skills, go back to what I talked about before. You know, how do you upskill people over, you know, over a period of time, how do you build great employee experiences by giving them the ability to work with technology? These are the things you have to focus on to get the value out of working with these service partners. If you don't, you may get some of the early returns, but I don't think you're going to get long-term success. We got some tough ingredients though, too, in 2024, don't we? I mean, if the economy stays a little rocky and people are starting to reduce headcount, to trim up their operations and get some margin back while we're investing in all these service partners, you know, for their talent. I mean, what happens? I mean, in 2024 is 2025 all about trying to hire your people back, you know, and get smart because you've leaned in too heavily to these partners. I, I think the amount of, uh, of work uh, that is required for the vast majority of companies right, to get their data house in order uh, to get to build the capabilities that they will need uh, to operate these, um, you know, successfully operate these these technologies like artificial intelligence and generative AI is going to take much more than just a couple of years, right? So this this is something that you know this it's 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 a journey that. You know, if, if luckily you have, uh, you're part of an organization that has started on this data uh, transformation journey a few years ago, you are in a, in a good position. If you have not, um, it's urgent for, for you to be, to be starting because otherwise you're going to, you're going to become very quickly a laggard. And that's where I think, you know, given the, uh, massive investment that these service providers, like the literally billion dollars of, of investments that these service providers have, have made just in, in 2023 to, you know, create new skills, to create new partnership, to create new assets, new accelerators that they are going to leverage to help you accelerate your own transformation. I think this is, this is uh, too good 
too good to pass on. Um, now, I think Matt is absolutely right. Um, that's that's probably a good opportunity to to try and catch up uh, with the leading companies that have already started on this transformation. Uh, but at, at the same time, you you need to think very very seriously about developing your own internal uh, capabilities. Uh, you know, along this uh, along this journey, to make sure that you have um, a sustainable way to um, build and operate and evolve these uh, the AI these AI capabilities in the in the long run. So in some ways, you guys' prediction is a bit of a warning to technology executives that there's more than enough work to go around, but make sure that you keep your in-house talent situation in order. So this has been great, guys, but I always like to ask the question, you know, we have lots of input and this year it was all about, again, the economy and AI and uh, geopolitical pressures and, you know, all the things. And there's more than five predictions out there. So if each of you could just offer us like maybe just a little inside, like what fell on the cutting room floor this year? What was number six, if you will? Or what might be, you know, we're just a little bit ahead of the curve and maybe give a sneak peek to something we might be calling in 2025. Yeah, I'll I'll take the first crack here, um, and I'm going to do this one on one that fell on the floor, but then it popped up somewhere else. Um, I'll start with what popped up. It popped up in another team of ours, and what they found or what they predicted is that 90% of companies will modernize their core to handle their Gen AI software commitments. And the reason that I wanted to flag this one, you know, that's a Hey, we know what we have. We we know we have to do a lot of this investing in software. We know we need a lot of providers. It's what we've been talking about through uh, the, the, the earlier parts of this conversation. But when we originally did this work, one of the ones that fell on the floor was this massive need for tech shops to get their houses in order, and then also to be able to find the incremental funds to invest. And so we really, we had one that we were talking about, about this big rationalization of the core of the tech stack, and then using that to reinvest in the future. And so, you know, it was really interesting that the other team went this direction. You know, theirs was much more specific just to the Gen I. We were looking at the bigger picture, but I do think this is one that's going to be a central issue. It's one that we covered at our forum. Um, we have a whole team focused on this. You know, really this opportunity, we, we haven't reduced technical debt. You know, we've grown it, if anything. I think the same thing's going to happen in this current moment that we're in. We're moving so fast, making so many investments. I don't know if we're making them as efficiently as we should. So tech debt, I presume, is going to go up. So how do I think about rationalizing that core while the plane's flying and then use that to reinvest appropriately to make sure I'm driving that future growth we want to get to? Yeah, the one you're talking about was in the enterprise software predictions where they've basically said that because of AI, this is going to be the big moment where you need to rationalize your entire suite of enterprise apps and get your data in order to even leverage these technologies. Yep, exactly right, Keith. So, Fred, what about you? Well, I think, um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, AI and, and generative AI, but th there's one area uh, from an automation perspective that, that is probably 
going to have also a massive impact on automation initiatives from our from organization across the globe is this focus on on process intelligence so you you're thinking about you know process mining task mining and the fact that you know artificial intelligence is indeed getting its way into uh, some of these automation technologies and going to be really helpful uh, for organizations that are trying to scale their their automation, uh, their process automation initiatives across their organization. So uh, our prediction is that over half of enterprises will target end-to-end automation uh, with a process intelligence in, in 2024. And for this company, that's going to be a game changer. Great. Well, this is fun, guys. Uh, thank you, Fred. Thank you, Matt. Uh, 2024 predictions for the tech exec. All right. We'll see you next year. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Keith. It was great being here. To read more of our 2024 predictions, visit forrester.com slash predictions. And be sure to join us on January 18th for a live webinar where we'll do a deep dive into even more of our predictions for the year ahead. Thanks for listening.